Blog Talk Radio. Go With Angels is more than the title of Mary Brotherton's debut book. It's her wish for you and your loved ones. Join her on her podcast every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as she talks about angels and messengers from the spirit world. Of course, she'll talk about her book and the inspiration behind it, too. Call 516-418-5651 after 11 on Friday mornings to share your stories about angelic encounters. everybody. It is 11 o'clock in the morning, the angel time. It's also December 23rd, 2022. I am live. If you want to call in, my number is 516-418-5651. I would love to answer your questions or just listen to your story about the angels in your life. Now, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, because I got an inspiration from my friend, Rosie Kennedy Sertum. She sent me a link. She's constantly, in fact, today, uh, she sent me this information a couple days ago, but today she sent me a photo of a little angel that's on her tree. uh, Rosie has bought four copies of Go With Angels. I had a book signing last weekend last Saturday on the 17th and I sold 11 copies I thought it was pretty profound I sold 11 copies at the book signing I sold one more copy after the book signing at another event to to total my daily um, high sales of 12 I haven't sold more than 12 in a day yet Um, I've sold almost 100 books and I'm delighted to have been able to do that. I've given away almost 30 books, and I've got somebody on my list to receive another book soon, an older friend of mine. However, I'm not here necessarily to sell my books. I, I do want to sell them. I think everybody would enjoy reading the stories that are in the book. In fact, I've gotten a request to do a, um, an e-book. So I've got to work on that. That's um, My book is not sold at the major stores yet. It's not sold on Amazon yet. It is currently at Island Breeze Crystals, Island Crystals and Beads, and Essential Elements Wellness. These shops are in Merritt Island, Rockledge, and Melbourne. Three different cities are selling my books, and I sell them, of course, at paypal.me forward slash go with angels. Or if you want to email me and ask me for other options, I have other options. You can send me a check. You can um, pay by credit card over the phone. So just email author Mary Brotherton at gmail.com. And I'll take care of you. Now, I want to share, before I share the story that Rosie inspired, I want to play a real quick little newsly ad and get that out of the way. As they say, little housekeeping. 
Have you ever read a web article on the internet that really spoke to you? No, I mean really spoke to you. Well, let me tell you about Newsly. Newsly is the new and incredible audio app made especially for iOS and Android. Newsly picks up web articles about the most trending topics throughout the entire internet. And at any given moment, Newsly reads those web articles to you in a natural human voice. Browse your favorite articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start playing, start listening, and start learning. And Newsly has podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcasts, Unscripted, Coffee Candy and Creatives, and On Demand are there too. Go to www.newsly.me to download and use Newsly for free now. And if you use promo code BEUNIQUERADIO, all one word and with caps, receive a one-month free premium description. For the first time in the history of the Internet, the web becomes listenable. Listen and learn with Newsly. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate your help um, in everything you do, and I appreciate that little blurb about Newsly. So now I want to get down to business. I want to tell you about, I want to read the story that Rosie sent to me. I, she wanted me to know about it because it's more of an, it's a spiritual story. And it was on a group that she subscribes to on Facebook. And it just jumps into the story. God is so good. After church, This morning, a bunch of us went to eat at the Mexican restaurant on the south side. This isn't a normal occurrence because we always eat at Los Agaves on North End after service. En route, my dear friend Marty decided he didn't want to come, so he started driving home. And on his way, he passed a man standing on the side of the road in a remote area. Suddenly, he changed his mind and turned around started coming towards the restaurant. In the process, he stopped and asked the stranger what he was doing. The man seemed lost and very confused. So Marty asked if he wanted something to eat, and the man said yes. So Marty brought this guy to eat lunch with us, and I didn't know that he had just picked him up off the side of the road. I thought I knew him. I thought maybe Marty knew him. So as we were sitting there eating lunch, the guy asked us if we knew of anyone hiring. We started talking and telling him a little bit about ourselves. And then he says, to be honest, man, I'm embarrassed. I'm from Morgantown and I need help. I can't stop using drugs and I'm tired of living this way. Let me tell you, we were all floored. I looked him dead in his eyes and said, you don't even have a clue whose table you just sat down at. You see, this is who we are. This is what we do. I told him to give me five minutes. One of my friends who works in admissions at another local treatment center would be there shortly to eat with us. My friend came and took this guy's information right there And they did his pre-assessment immediately. Tomorrow morning at 9, he will be admitted into a 30-day facility and then come to Peer Solutions right afterwards. Here's the kicker. 
He told us that five minutes before he saw Marty drive by, he said a prayer. God, please help me. Please help me change my life. I can't do this anymore. You know the rest of the story. God is in control, guys. I'm just so glad I get to see these miracles and moments take place with my own eyes. What a cool deal this is. Thank you, Lord. And you're right. It is a cool deal. And this story just made me realize I also am privileged and honored to share stories. And I've done this through my book with uh, Go With Angels. It's 88 pages of short stories. There may be a poem or two in there, but the poems are all related to the theme. It's stories of angelic encounters, communicating with people on the other side, uh, people who've crossed over our loved ones. I have stories about near-death experiences and uh, just being snatched from the jaws of death, basically. But I've been telling this kind of story for more than 20 years. And it has uh, just occurred to me, because God does this sometimes. He puts these thoughts in my head. I, many, many, many years ago, I wrote a letter to my husband's family. I was not working. I was uh, between jobs, I guess you'd say. I was unemployed. I had no money. It was Christmas time. I didn't know what to do. So I prayed, and the next thing I know, I had an inspiration, and I started looking for stories online. My my first thought was the gift of the Magi. If you've never heard the gift of the Magi, maybe I should read that to you since this is nearly Christmas time. But as I'm looking up this story, because I've got it, I'm going to finish telling you. My thought was that I should put all of these stories in a, um, in, a in another book. So it'll take me a second here to figure out how to get to these stories, because I've got some things I need to do here. Um, but more than 20 years ago, I was going to my in-laws, my future in-laws, without a single gift and no money to buy one. So I wrote a story, and I shared it with them, and I told, basically what I told my family, my future family, was all I can do is share stories with you, and this is my story for this, this year. Well, that was in 2000, and I think it was 2000, might have been, I'm looking it up. Uh, no, that wasn't the year that I, because I was still living in Atlanta in 2000. My point, though, is I was, um, I'm, I'm stumbling because I'm trying to do something at the same time, so I'm going to quit stumbling, and I'm going to play a real quick little ad about Be Unique. I'll be right back. Be Unique works to change the world for a better tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the dots of the world through professional storytelling. We have all embracing 
all-inclusive heart and are always learning to create new things to revitalize and sustain old things. While recognizing our differences, we use positive and universal thinking to strategize for a positive outcome. We collaborate people of all distinctions to create a better me, a better you, a better us. By caring for others, there's no room in our hearts for hatred, racism, or egoism. So, let our visions heal and keep the promises of what we will be. One day, by living helpful, caring, and happy, healthy, and essential lives. With the wonderful staff and volunteers at Be Unique, we will continue to pursue that dream by making the world a better place for everyone. From everyone at BeUnique.org, to our readers and listeners, thank you for all your support. There's so much more on the way. Thank you, Pierre, for reading Franklin's words. I think that sums up what Be Unique is. Highlights other charities and organizations that are making the world better. And we do this through digital storytelling, printed storytelling, audio storytelling. And here I am today telling stories. So I found the gift of the Magi, which was the first story that I read to my family. And it was, it was the reason I did this, I felt like I had to give them something. And I didn't know what else to give them. So I gave them a story. And after that, my, my mother-in-law was so enthralled. She asked me to have everybody read a story at the following Christmas. So we did. And for more than 20 years, we've been. this has been our family tradition. It's been skipped over a couple of times for various reasons. But usually because I wasn't there. Uh, one time I was in a wreck. A couple of times I was at my mom's instead. And one time we tried sending the stories to Florida, but it didn't work the same way. So it's a tradition that I am to be there, I suppose. And I found the gift of the Magi while Pierre was reading Franklin's little uh, blurb. So I want to read that with you. The gift of the Magi was written by O. Henry in the early 19th century. So the details may be a little out of date, but you'll figure it out. $1.87. That was all. And 60 cents of it was in pennies. Pennies saved one and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer and the vegetable man and the butcher until one's cheeks burned with the silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealing implied. Three times, Della counted it. One dollar and 87 cents. The next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing to do but flop down on the shabby little couch and howl. So Della did it, which instigates the moral reflection that life is made up of sobs, sniffles, and smiles, with sniffles predominating. While the mistress of the home is gradually subsiding from the first stage to the second, take a look at the home. A furnished flat at $8 per week. It did not exactly beggar description, but it certainly had that word on the outlook for the mendicancy squad. Oh, my goodness. Mendicancy is a word that I haven't heard in a very, very long time. And it means mendicity or beggary. 
Now, bear in mind, these are 18th, this is a 19th century story written by an 18th century man that has some words that we don't use today. In the vestibule below was a litter box into which no letter would go and an electric button from which no mortal finger could coax a ring. Also, appertaining thereunto was a card bearing the name Mr. James Dillingham Young. The Dillingham had been flung to the breeze during a former period of prosperity when its possessor was being paid $30 a week. Income was shrunk to $20. Though they were thinking seriously of contracting to a modest and unassuming D. But whenever Mr. James Dillingham Young came home and reached his flat above, he was called Jim and greatly hugged by Mrs. James Dillingham Young, already introduced to you as Della, which is all very good. Della finished her cry and attended to her cheeks with the powder rag. She stood by the window and looked out dully at a gray cat walking a gray fence in a gray backyard. Tomorrow would be Christmas Day, and she had only $1.87 with which to buy Jim a present. She had been saving every penny she could for months with this result. $20 a week doesn't go far. Expenses had been greater than she had calculated. They always are. Only $1.87 to buy a present for Jim. Her Jim. Many a happy hour she had spent planning for something nice for him, something fine and rare and sterling, something just a little bit near to being worthy of the honor of being owned by Jim. There was a pier glass between the windows of the room. Perhaps you've seen a pier glass in an $8 flat. A very thin and very agile person may, by observing his reflection in a rapid sequence of longitudinal strips obtained a fairly accurate conception of his looks. Della, being slender, had mastered the art. In other words, it was a very poor mirror. Suddenly, she whirled from the window and stood before the glass. Her eyes were shining brilliantly, but her face had lost its color within 20 seconds. Rapidly, she pulled down her hair and let it fall to its full length. Now, there were two possessions of the James Dillingham Youngs in which they both took a mighty pride. One was Jim's gold watch that had been his father's and his grandfather's. The other was Della's hair. Had the Queen of Sheba lived in the flat across the air shaft, Della would have let her hair hang out the window someday to dry just to deprecate her majesty's jewels and gifts. Had King Solomon been the janitor with all his treasures piled up in the basement, Jim would have pulled out his watch every time he passed just to see him pluck at his beard from envy. So now Della's beautiful hair fell about her rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters. It reached below her knee and made itself almost a garment for her. And then she did it up again nervously and quickly. Once she faltered for a minute and stood still while a tear or two splashed on the worn red carpet. Now I have to break into the story for a second here, folks, because at the time that I read this story, I also had very long hair, and it was my crowning jewel 
according to my ex-husband. I didn't know until many years later that Curtis, my current husband, my best husband, loved my hair when it was long. But he loves me, so he loves my hair when it's short, too. Anyway, that was another reason this story was very powerful to me, was because of the long hair connection. Back to the story. As the two tears splashed on the worn red carpet, on went her brown jacket, on went her old brown hat. With the swirl and swirl of skirts and with the brilliant sparkle still in her eyes, she fluttered out the door and down the stairs to the street. Where she stopped, the sign read, Milliner Safroni, hair goods of all kinds. One flight up, Della ran and collected herself, panting. Madame, large, too white, chilly, hardly looked the Sofrani. Will you buy my hair? asked Della. I buy hair, said Madame. Take your hat off and let's have a look at the side of it. Down rippled the brown cascade. Twenty dollars, said Madame, lifting the mask with a practiced hand. Give it to me quick, said Della. Oh, the next two hours tripped by on rosy wings. Forget the hashed metaphor. She was ransacking the stores for Jim's presents. She found it at last. Surely it had been made for Jim and no one else. There was no other like it in any of the stores, and she had turned all of them inside out. It was a platinum fob chain, simple and chaste in design, properly proclaiming its value by substance alone and not by meretricious ornamentation, as all good things should do. It was even worthy of the watch. As soon as she saw it, she knew that it must be Jim's. It was like Jim. Quietness and value. The description applied to both. $21 they took from her for it. And she hurried home with the 87 cents. With that chain on his watch, Jim might be the properly anxious man about the time in any company. Grand as the watch was, he sometimes looked at it on the sly on account of the old leather strap that he used to play in place of a chain. When Della reached home, her intoxication gave way to a little prudence and reason. She got out her curling irons and lighted the gas and went to work repairing the ravages made by generosity added to love, which is always a tremendous task, dear friends, a mammoth task. Within 40 minutes, her head was covered with tiny, close-lying curls that made her look wonderfully, wonderfully like a truant schoolboy. She looked at her reflection in the mirror long, carefully, and critically. If Jim doesn't kill me, she said to herself, before he takes a second look at me, he'll say I look like a Coney Island chorus girl. But what could I do? What could I do with a dollar and 87 cents? At 7 o'clock, the coffee was made and the frying pan was on the back of the stove, hot and ready to cook the chops. Jim was never late. Della doubled the fob chain in her hand and sat on the corner of the table near the door that he always entered. Then she heard his step on the stairway 
down on the first flight and she turned white for just a moment. She had a habit of saying a silent little prayer about the simplest everyday things. And now she whispered, please, God, please make him think I'm still pretty. The door opened and Jim stepped in and closed it. He looked thin and very serious. Poor fellow, he was only 22 and to be burdened with a family. He needed a new overcoat and he was without gloves. Jim stopped inside the door as immovable as a setter at the scent of quail. His eyes were fixed upon Della, and there was an expression in them. She could not read it, and it terrified her. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor disapproval, nor horror, nor any of the sentiments that she had been prepared for. He simply stared at her fixedly with that peculiar expression on his face. Della wriggled off the table and went for him. Jim, darling, she cried, don't look at me that way. I had my hair cut off and sold because I couldn't have lived through Christmas without giving you a gift. It'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I just had to do it. My hair grows beautifully fast. Say Merry Christmas, Jim, and let's be happy. You don't know what a nice, what a beautiful, what a beautiful, nice gift I've got for you. You've cut off your hair, asked Jim, laboriously as if he had not arrived at that patent fact yet, even after the hardest mental labor. Cut it off and sold it, said Della. Don't you like me just as well anyhow? I'm me without my hair, ain't I? Jim looked about the room curiously. You said your hair is gone? He said with an air of almost idiocy. You needn't look for it, said Della. It's sold. I tell you, sold and gone, too. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Be good to me, for it went for you. Maybe the hairs of my head were numbered. She went on with sudden serious sweetness. But nobody could ever count my love for you. Shall I put the chops on Jim? Out of his trance, Jim seemed quickly to wake. He enfolded his Della. For ten seconds, let us regard, with discreet scrutiny, some inconsequential object in the other direction. Eight dollars a week or a million a year. What is the difference? A mathematician or a wit could give you the wrong answer. The Magi brought valuable gifts, but that was not among them. This dark assertion will be illuminated later on. Jim drew a package from his overcoat pocket and threw it upon the table. Don't make any mistake, Dell, he said about me. I don't think there is anything in the way of a haircut or a shave or a shampoo that can make me like my girl any less. But if you'll unwrap that package, you may see why you had me going a while at first. White fingers and nimble fingers tore at the string and paper. Then was an ecstatic scream of joy and then, alas, a quick feminine change to hysterical tears and wails, necessitating the immediate employment of all the comforting powers of the Lord of the flat. For there lay the combs, the set of combs, side and back, that Della had worshipped long in a Broadway window. Beautiful combs, pure tortoise shell with jeweled rims, 
just the shade to wear in the beautiful vanished hair. They were expensive combs, she knew, and her heart had simply craved and yearned over them without the least hope of possession. And now they were hers. But the tresses that should have adorned the coveted adornments were gone. But she hugged them to her bosom, and at last she was able to look up with dim eyes and a smile and say, My hair grows so fast, Jim. And Della then leaped up like a little cinched cat and cried, Oh, oh, Jim had not yet seen his beautiful present. She held it out to him eagerly upon her open palm. The dull, precious metal seemed to flash with a reflection of her bright and ardent spirit. Isn't it a dandy, Jim? I hunted all over town to find it. You'll have to look at the time a hundred times a day now. Give me your watch. I want to see how it looks on it. Instead of obeying, Jim tumbled down on the couch and put his hands under the back of his head and smiled. Dell, he said, let's put our Christmas presents away and keep them a while. They're too nice to use just at present. I sold the watch to get the money to buy your combs. And now suppose you put the chops on. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones too, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. And here I have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasures of the house. But in a last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that of all those who give gifts, these two, the wisest, oh, all who give and receive gifts such as they are wisest everywhere. They are the wisest. They are the Magi. That was the story that I read to my in-laws. And even now, every time I read that, I cry. I get very teary because that is true love. That is true, unconditional love. And this unconditional love is what our angels provide for us. This is what Go With Angels is all about. It's the story of unconditional love, love with no strings, love without condition, true love, absolute true love. I want to read for you some comments that have been shared with me about Go with angels. Because the purpose of this podcast is, number one, to share stories about angels with Be Unique's listeners. And number two, to let you know about the book called Go with Angels. Because you see, every time I sell a book, a donation is made on behalf of of Be Unique. Every book, the proceeds from every book sale are donated back to Be Unique. And I'll tell you quickly, um, 
if I can find it, uh, how many books have sold and why I'm still doing this podcast about them. 120 books have gone out. And from that, uh, $115 has been donated to Be Unique. I'm not making much money on this book. It only costs $15. And it's um, go, it's for a good purpose. The purpose is to educate people about the angels and what they're doing in our life and to share stories with you about the angelic encounters I've had. And I have more. This story is only 88, and this book is only 88 pages long, and it does not cover nearly the stories that I need to cover. Here's the first comment from Jane, who happens to be my sister. I finished the book. It was easy to read. It is a good read. I know the people in the book, and that makes it more interesting. And this is from a friend of mine who is in my one of my writer's groups, well, the writer's group that I founded. Called, it has no name. It's just Mary's writer's group. His name is Hank. My copy of Go With Angels arrived in the mail on Friday. I was seeing my girlfriend, Cindy, so I took her to her house to share the experience of opening the package. She had a rough week. She started reading it and enjoyed what she read so much that I violated a cardinal rule. Thou shalt not loan out thy books. I thought you'd like to know you're already having a positive influence. I also appreciate the acknowledgement. Congratulations again on this milestone in your writing career. Well, the next time I saw Hank at one of our group meetings, I happened to have some books in my purse, which I always do, and I recommend highly to any writers out there. You always keep a book handy because you never know when you may need it. So when I saw Hank again and he told me that Cindy was really enjoying the book, I pulled out another one and I inscribed it to Cindy. And I said, Cindy, please give Hank his book back. This one's yours. May you always be surrounded by angels. And then I gave it to Hank and he was very touched. Here is one from a woman named Linda, who is my cousin. It is an easy read that delivers a different dose of faith with each story. Athena is also in my writer's group, and she says, I use it as a daily devotional. Uh, Stephanie said, my three-year-old granddaughter carries her copy with her everywhere and shows it to everybody. Now, I'll have to tell you, I sold a copy to Stephanie, who is my nephew's wife, and she told me that she had been reading the stories to her granddaughter. And she loved it. She just always talked about the angels. So Stephanie bought another book for her granddaughter, Skylar, who is the inspiration behind my next book that I've been commanded by God to write. Um, it is a book of angels for children. And can't write the words, they won't come. I've been trying and trying and it just won't come. But I've been told by God again, pictures, the words will come later. Um, another story, uh, I mean, another reader named Mary also. Her name is 
I call her Eeyore. She's my bestest, bestest friend in the world. This makes a great gift. Stories are relatable to everyone. And Rosie, who I think I told you earlier, has bought four copies for friends and one for herself. This is a great little book. It's one you can pick up and open and read a story or two when you feel moved to. You don't need to read it cover to cover in one sitting. Whether you read it over time or in one day, it will give you chills and insight and renew your faith. When I read those comments, I'm moved. And here at Christmas time, especially, I feel very grateful to be able to be the author of the book and to be able to share this podcast with you and share some of these stories that are in my books. I will be compiling stories that I have written to or for my family to read at Christmas time. Now, there have been times that we've had as many as 11 people gathered for Christmas, so I had to come up with 11 stories. Other times, like this year, we've only had a few, uh, well, my husband, his stepmom, and I are going to be the only ones in attendance, so I'm only doing three stories. And I have a few minutes left, and I would like to be able to share the um, story that I will be reading to my family. My husband won't be listening to this podcast today, at least, so it won't really matter. Christmas is around the corner. He won't hear this story before Christmas. It's called Entertaining Angels. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you. My uh, grandma, my stepmother, uh, my mother-in-law, likes these stories so much she kept asking me to, instead of just printing one out to read, would I print one to give her? So after about three years of doing this, I created her a um, a scrapbook with each story in it. And I think she now has two scrapbooks that are filled with these stories. Like I said, 20 years with a lot of people gathered makes a difference. This story is called Entertaining Angels. And I find these stories online. Sometimes they have authors attributed and sometimes they do not. Most of the times they do not. So I don't know who wrote this story, but here it is. On a hot summer day in the Deep South, we were what was known as dirt poor in the early 1950s. I had been playing outside all morning in the sand when I heard a sharp clanking sound behind me. Across the dirt road were two rows of men, dressed in black and white-striped baggy uniforms. Their faces were covered with dust and sweat, and they looked so weary. They were chained together with huge black iron chains. From the end of each row was a big black iron ball. They were, as polite people said in these days, a chain gang, guarded by two heavily armed guards. I stared at the prisoners as they settled uncomfortably down in the dirt under the shade of some straggly trees. One of the guards walked towards me. Nodding as he passed, he went up to our front door and knocked. My mother appeared, and I heard the guard ask if he could have permission to get water from the pump in the backyard. Mother agreed, but I saw a look of concern on her face as she called me inside. I stared through the window as each prisoner was unchained from the line to hobble over to the pump and drink his fill from a small tin cup while a guard watched vigilantly. 
Soon, they were all chained back up again, with prisoners and guards retreating into the shade away from an unrelenting sun. I heard my mother call me into the kitchen. As I entered, I saw her bustling around with tins of tuna fish, mayonnaise, our last loaf of bread, and two big pitchers of lemonade. In what seemed a blink of an eye, she had made a tray of sandwiches using the tuna we were to have had for that night's supper. My mother smiled as she handed me one of the pitchers of lemonade, cautioning me to carry it carefully and not to spill a drop. Then, lifting the tray in one hand and holding a pitcher in her other hand, she marched me to the door, deftly opening it with her foot and trotted me across the road. She approached the guards, flashing them with a brilliant smile. We had some leftovers from lunch, she said. I was wondering if we could share with you and your men. She smiled at each of the men, searching their dark eyes with her own. Everyone started to their feet. Oh, no, she said. Stay where you are. I'll just serve you. Calling me to her side, she went from guard to guard, then from prisoner to prisoner, filling each tin cup with lemonade and giving each man a sandwich. It was very quiet, except for a thank you, ma'am and the clanking of the chains. Very soon, we were at the end of the line, my mother's eyes scanning softly each piece. The last prisoner was a big man, his dark skin pouring with sweat and streaked with dust. Suddenly, his face broke into a wonderful smile, and he looked up at my mother's eyes, and he said, Ma'am, I've wondered all my life if I'd ever see an angel. And now I have. Thank you. Again, my mother's smile took in the whole group. You're all welcome, she said. God bless you. To the house with empty and back inside. Soon the men moved on and I never saw them again. The only explanation my mother ever gave me for that strange and wonderful day was to Remember, always to entertain strangers, for by doing so, you may entertain angels without knowing. Then, with a mysterious smile, she went about the rest of the day. I don't remember what we ate for supper that night. I just know it was served by an angel. And that brings me to the end of my story for today. That's three stories in one day. I think that's pretty good. I'd love to know what you think about it. If you like these stories, let me know. I'll keep reading them. I have more than 20 years' worth, and I have more that that haven't ever been published. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Um, Also, if you want to, email author marybrotherton at gmail.com to know more about my angel book, to know more about angels, or to share your story about angels. I would love to have you join the show. Thank you so much, and goodbye until next Friday. Thanks for listening to Go With Angels with Mary Brotherton. If you want to order a copy of Go With Angels, just reach out to mary at beunique.org for details. That's B-U-N-E-K-E dot org. And be sure to tune in every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more stories about angelic encounters. Follow Be Unique Radio on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss a single episode.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.